0: Here we go. Happy Friday. Welcome to April, ladies and gentlemen. It's another episode of Nudge Coach Happy Hour. And what an exciting week we had. We had a lot of good stuff going on. But first of all, Mac Gamble, or should I call you Mac underscore Gamble? How's it going over there?
1: Underscore It makes it sound like there's a good story behind it. And I think the only story is that I, I think that was, I had created an account early on and then Instagram canceled that account. Womp, womp, (laughs) womp, womp. So I had to add a character and I went with the underscore. I think it's it's dramatic. Underscore though. Very dramatic.
0: Yeah. There you go. So it's a strong choice. The underscore. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, another week in nudge land um we did something interesting this week on in my my neck of the woods my world um we launched nudge coach office hours um explain do tell nudge coach office hours folks yes you're in the right place you're on nudge coach happy hour don't panic anybody happy hour is one thing office hours is a different thing um (laughs) Office hours is happening every Thursday, whereas happy hour happens every Friday. That's the first difference. On office hours, we dive into the Nudge Coach platform, particularly for people who are a little bit newer to the platform, um, and talk about you know things that we're seeing that are you know becoming best practices, things people are doing really effectively. Talking about ideas for. Um, How to refine some of the little details that you're doing uh, as you're working with clients remotely um, in your coaching programs. And also, did a little segment with Katherine Kelly, who is our uh, client success manager. And she is basically going through one thing that's been tripping a lot of customers up this week. So she runs point on a lot of our support, a lot of the support tickets that come in, questions that come in from customers Mm -hmm. funnel through her at some point. So she always has her finger on the pulse. And so she did a quick segment on um, removing cards from feeds. Um, But yeah, yeah. Nudge nudge coach office hours every Thursday at noon, Eastern, 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 Eastern. (laughs) Check it
1: out. Awesome. I, I'm i going to check it out. You're invited, Mac. I'm invited. <laughs> I'm going to check it out. Yeah, I think I had a call yesterday at the same time. I, I do usually, if I'm not on the webinar, have the webinar up, but I did not yesterday because I was on the call. Well, we'll choose to forgive you for that. Gotcha. It was a Zoom call, so I couldn't I couldn't be talking. I could talk on a phone and do Zoom, but I can't be on two Zooms at once. Too Certainly not rooms. with that
0: attitude, you can't.
1: Too many Zooms. Yeah. But, but no, I think we said, though, we had some interesting... I think some shared conversations that occurred on both of our sides this week that maybe to jump into regarding day one client experiences. That's right. The ideal day one client experiences.
0: That's an important point. We want it to be ideal, the experience that we're providing. Um, Speaking of the word experience, that just reminded me that we're supposed to be making 2021 the year of the client experience. Year of
1: the client experience. I've actually been saying that in calls I've had with people recently that there's a mantra we're trying to live by that no more bad client experiences in online coaching. So, and, and so you brought up the idea and I, or we are kind of noodling on ideas coming into this. And I think we kind of see, we saw it from two different angles this week. Cause I, in a lot of conversations I have, I get a lot of people asking about kind of the onboarding experience, getting a person on the app to begin with. And I think it does bring up an interesting question is, what is the ideal experience when you're first onboarding that client day one? What, what are you signing the person up for? What does a successful kind of, as you're thinking about the relationship and setting them up for success, what does day one look like? And I think it's an interesting question because you saw it from an angle and I saw it from a different angle.
0: Yep, yep. And there's a lot, there's a surprising amount to dig into when it comes to that question, I would say, because of just all the different kind of factors and models Mm -hmm. that could play into this. So for example, um, I'm, um, I'm doing one-on-one coaching. I work with high end clients. I have a really, you know, high, like a very like long form consult that happens up front, for Mm -hmm. example, before I onboard people. Um, Whereas I'm trying to pump a bunch of people into a kind of low cost initial tier Mm -hmm. of a program uh, that's going to look totally different. So there's plenty for us to chew on here.
1: Yep. Yep. I, I am a huge fan. And I think in most conversations I'm in, I, I direct people towards this of, and I think, well, one of the big questions that always comes up, because assess, I feel like there's always benchmarking or always some kind of assessment. And that's where kind of my experience was this week, why this came up. The question kind of came up of, even though you can do assessments in the platform, is that, do you assess a person once you've onboarded them onto the platform or is the assessment something that leads up to the initial consult that you have with a coach before the onboarding happens? And it's a really interesting question because I think generally what we see is the most successful models. And this is going to sound funny. I'd say that kind of benchmarking has probably happened before the initial consult with the coach, which has also happened before a person usually gets onboarded onto any kind of online coaching system. So any of the assessments you're then doing with within like the nudge platform would be more of like ongoing assessments, not necessarily your benchmarking and not to say you can't do it that way. You can't do it the other way, but it's just ideal workflow. I think we tend to see it works that way.
0: That is fascinating. Oh, I I don't know if you heard that. I nearly broke something right then. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just got too excited about it. Too excited. It's, It's okay. Calm down, Phil. Um, it's really interesting actually that you say that. So let's, I wonder why that is that, you know, we tend to see it more effective when the initial assessment Mm -hmm. happens, perhaps before the actual, you almost think like the onboarding into the app in our case is like getting into the program. Right. Yeah. Um, Before that happens, that tends to be more successful. Um, Is it that step of better qualifying a person on the way in and making sure they're aligned. Is that the reason that's more effective? Maybe.
1: I I think it has to be because if you think about, okay, what do you, if you kind of work backwards? Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do you need for really good onboarding onto the system? You probably need to have the coaching consult first, right? We've seen initiatives before where people just kind of scurried around it, tiptoed, like cut corners, didn't work well. And then you say, okay, well, what do you didn't need for a great consult well, you generally need some kind of information going into that session. And it just seems like it naturally, you know, there's a sequence here that we tend to see more often than not. So that's, I I guess, when you think about kind of where assessments fall, I would tend to say the first one usually falls outside of our system. Certainly doesn't have to, but. No, I think it's great.
0: Well, and it's, it's worth throwing out there. Listen, we, we have a great platform I think it's worth noting that there are platforms that are absolutely specialized in creating literally an assessment. That's what this entire company is designed to do in some cases, right? Yeah.
1: Specialization is a beautiful thing. Yeah. You should not
0: expect like a platform that does 10 of the things to be the best at assessments. It's just yeah. a fact of kind of limited resources, right? Um, so, you know, you might be able to design that assessment in, um a more particular way that you you want it to look mm-hmm. using maybe a tool like typeform or you know some other jot form mm-hmm. or what some other thing or you could even do um, something that's even more hands on if you're in kind of a mm-hmm. high ticket program model um hop on a on, on a zoom and walk someone through an assessment one on one and and really do kind of more of a an interview style assessment.
1: i think we've seen some people do uh, i think calendly you can do custom form or custom fields kind of on yep. call booking. Yeah. I think there's some really neat things you can do that kind of weave into that initial consult. Um, you know, you can weave payments into Calendly too. So it kind of does set the stage for having a lot of these pieces already kind of connected.
0: Yeah. It's a really good point. So I think, I think this is something that is taking shape here already. So we have basically lead come in. We're not speaking to how the lead came in, but we've got a lead. Um, you've got someone on the hook. They, they're a pretty good prospect. We're going to try to get them to that assessment as part of the way in, on the way in. Um, I think this is before or after they paid for anything, probably before they paid for anything, correct? Before they've converted or is it after?
1: I think it could be either way. Either I, way. I think payment and assessment could be interchangeable up to the coaching consult. But I, I definitely would steer clear of for one-to-one coaching, I would steer clear of app onboarding happening before the session with the coach.
0: There you go. Um, So onboarding into your platform can wait. Can wait. Yep. Um, Love it. Ideal flow. We've got the assessment up front, leads into a great consult. Again, we say this a lot, but with running an online program or a remote program, you have to go out of your way right now to find, mm-hmm. find time for FaceTime to really create a connection with clients. So do not, do not, do not skip that step. Um, so effective onboarding in this case, assessment to consult. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're doing something that's a little bit more scalable, um, you may not be doing that consult to kick things off with everybody. And that's where we would introduce something like a really nicely designed kind of welcome video. Mm -hmm. Um, and I could even argue that at least what, from things I've been playing with that are inherently at a little bit higher Mm -hmm. scale, um, I'm seeing better success with having that video happen before getting someone on the app as well, because it gives me the opportunity to very clearly describe here's what, yeah. We're going to use this app together. Here's why we're using the app. Here's how to get onboarded effectively into mm-hmm. the app. Um, get yourself set up and get comfortable with it. Um, creates a great opportunity to do that while I'm getting my FaceTime, while I'm building some trust with that person about you know making sure we're aligned on the purpose of the program, what we're trying to get out of it, and maybe even setting some uh, some high level expectations like the app is great because you'll get anytime mm-hmm. access to me. You know I'll always reply if you message me there. But by the way. You know, I have a lot of people going through this. Keep in mind, I might not get back to you for 48 hours Mm -hmm. if you send me a message. You get to set those expectations there as well. All really important things that you can do on the way in. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I'm a big believer in a welcome card in the app too, regardless of whether or not you're you're doing one-to-one coaching or you're doing a large group. And I think you brought a really good point. If you're not doing one-to-one and this is a more scalable offering, I think at least part of onboarding video, if you will, has to happen outside the platform because I think you're right. You have to make sure you are helping put some guardrails in place to make sure there's no kind of friction points getting a person in into whatever system you're using. I then think though there is a nice place to the setting some of the expectations I think can happen in the app. It makes it really accessible to them moving forward where they can kind of just refer back to. Um, and even if you are onboarding someone one to one, I think that can still augment, like I said, you know, the the communication that you've given them, whatever you've articulated kind of coming into it, I still think it can kind of strengthen you would probably, you know, your messaging be a little bit different. It's not like a full welcome. It's maybe just kind of setting the expectations or something, but. Um, yeah.
0: And, you know, I think. The idea of having that consult up front. Another thing that that does. The consult, the video up front. That's taking some of that stuff off your plate um, before. Kind of a, you know, in in our platform, it's a card, but it's you know, in other kind of models, and maybe even just like a welcome email, whatever. Um, you know, there's a lot writing on that welcome, that first kind of touch point after someone mm-hmm. starts. So it's good to take some of the stuff off your plate. So you're not explaining like 11 different things in that one kind of step. Cause that can, that can go from feeling like, oh man, this is a really nice, well thought out, intentional Mm -hmm. feeling experience to holy shit. They just threw like all this stuff at me. I don't know if I can do this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I, I think in general, welcome. Like if I'm thinking, we're kind of going back to the initial question, like what is the ideal client experience in day one? I think having some kind of welcome card, which it sounds like it really depends on one-to-one versus group versus kind of scalable. That's going to dictate what that welcome card kind of the purpose of it. But I think you, you need to have something when a person's first getting started some kind of welcome material, I think for day one. Um, I think then the question then comes, you know, we talked a little bit about like assessment assessment may happen outside the platform. The kind of onboarding assessment, um, and I think that's totally fine. Do you? Here's a question for you: Do you think this tracking start on day one?
0: That is a great question. Now I've seen this both ways for sure. Yeah. Um, I would tend to say no. Um, although it's easier to set it up mm-hmm. in in many ways to where like you just have something daily set up or right out of yeah. the gate. Um, the reason I would tend to say no is I just want to remove as much other stuff from the one Mm -hmm. thing the one point that I want to get across on day one as possible Um, so my sort of ideal if we're talking ideal is save that for day two day three even if Mm -hmm. you want to have like some type of follow up you know follow up on day two to you know not jump straight into it Um, but yeah, I would save it for day two.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I I think I agree with that. One thing I've been seeing a lot of recently has even been people wanting to, and I think this is where the welcome kind of, and when we say welcome card, that's because our system is based on cards. You could say a welcome email or welcome you know, PDF or whatever the heck you want to call it. But um, because our system's card-based, that's why we reference welcome card. But I think in general, what I'm seeing a lot of is, even people wanting to start kind of the following week, even sometimes. So maybe you're onboarding someone on a Wednesday. You don't necessarily want them to start up going into the weekend. You want it to be a start on Monday. Yep. So those are some, I feel like that's a little bit of what I'm seeing right now too, is a little bit of onboarding set expectations today, but we're really not going to start the nitty gritty until next Monday.
0: Yeah, that is a really good point and that gets into, you know, another set of possibly different types of programming programs that you're running um, Mm -hmm. and the nuances that could be there. So for example, you may be signing someone up for something that's kind of already designed the first, you know, several weeks is Mm -hmm. already mapped out and you know exactly what's being delivered every day and you don't care if they start on, you know, Saturday or Tuesday or whatever it just needs to flow day 1 is day 1 day 2 is day 2 day 3 is day 3 um those kind of rolling sign up programs you know mm-hmm. maybe a little bit easier to think about from that perspective but you know there are a lot of different reasons that you may want someone specifically to start on a monday one just being the programming is structured for that so that it will fit into their life better in theory mm-hmm. if i know what day of the week they're starting which i think is totally reasonable by the way like my week is certainly structured entirely based on what Monday has come to mean in my life and what Tuesday has come to mean in my life, you know? Um, so I, that's a hundred percent. um makes sense. I think, you know, I think a big challenge of coaching is how to fit into someone's life and mm-hmm. then kind of move their life in the direction that they wanted to go. But um The other aspect here is, you know, are we potentially doing some type of group programming where we're aligning a bunch of people into a cohort or something like that?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question.
0: Um, so those are definitely reasons that you want to have a plan in place during that kind of day one, day two, whatever it is that, you know, makes it still a smooth experience, whether someone signs up on a Tuesday and has to wait till the next Monday or they sign up on Sunday and they're getting going the Mm -hmm. next day. Um, things to think through for sure.
1: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Really good point. And I think, yeah, we actually had someone send us an email yesterday that was doing some pretty interesting workflows where they were onboarding two groups of people, those that had paid and those that hadn't paid. And both were going through the same intro material. And then those that hadn't paid were basically their experience stopped until they paid. And then he was basically moving them into the paid bucket once they had But it was the paid users, once they got through their welcome material, basically went directly into their, you know, the content or, or the programming they had purchased. So I think it, it, um, and then he was running that like a cohort. That's what kind of sparked that. But wow. yeah, I think it, it in general, a, a, at least a day one, if not a several initial days, I'll say in the week, I think are really helpful because whenever you're using an online system, it's going to be new for your clients. And I think it's just really important the first few days because they are so fragile to just demystify things a little bit, make it feel easy, get them using it a simple way. And if that's just, you know, in case our system makes on card, you know, if it's opening a card and and consuming some content or if it's opening an email or just, it may not be tracking as much as it is just consuming content at first or, or messaging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it doesn't have to be the nitty gritty of tracking and journaling, but I think that's something we see a lot of is maybe like a three-day welcome sequence to just get it, kind of get a person familiarized with using the system.
0: Yeah, it's a really good idea to have that up your sleeve. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something, yeah, like in a platform like Nudge Coach, you can build in in advance, have that sitting there, queued up, ready to go whenever Mm -hmm. you need it. Um, That's a great way to plan out some content to be really kind of impactful for Mm -hmm. you because, we well, the lesson that we keep learning over and over again that makes us continue to talk about these early days of a program or of a coaching mm-hmm. relationship is that if you get onboarding right, it unlocks months and months of engagement. Yep. If you get onboarding wrong, you're losing someone pretty damn quickly, and that hurts. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah I I think in general, you know, because I I certainly hear this from time to time as a coach says, "Hey, my my clients don't like don't like kind of the experience or something something along those lines." I tend to find when I hear that from someone, it's generally means they didn't structure their online program in the right way. And it usually is meaning that they were either throwing too much at clients too quickly when they were getting onboarded, um, which, you know, not seeing all the nitty gritty of their programming. I'm just kind of speculating here, but it's, there's so many people that are highly successful with online coaching that when I hear someone say, Hey, my clients really didn't like an experience, usually kind of i'd love to kind of peel back the layers of their program and how they were kind of how they were pulling a client kind of through getting them onboarded getting them using it what they were asking because people are busy i mean if you're the keep in mind if you're getting someone into online coaching that doesn't necessarily mean you need them to document everything about themselves and we've touched on this before and that's where <clears throat> something as simple as even if you have someone tracking of or someone following a really really detailed protocol you don't need them tracking every single aspect about it. Like a simple yes, no question of, did you follow the protocol today? Maybe all you need to keep a person engaged for a long period of time and to get the information you need for providing that accountability. And I think that's sometimes lost. I think sometimes we get excited that we have this technology at our fingertips and we're like, oh my God, I want this, I want that, I want this and all these different data points. And we forget, oh yeah, that means our client is going to have to spend four hours logging all this information that is a terrible client experience and yeah. i think i think that sometimes gets lost in the coaching world of what what we need versus what the client's willing to give us and it really is a balance and it's a trade-off and if it's too much skewed in what i want as a coach we're going to lose clients quick and that's where i i'm just always so sensitive when i hear people say stuff like you know clients didn't like an online coaching experience because like ugh, would love to kind of peel back what you were doing because i have a feeling there's a flaw there
0: yeah no we, we run into that a lot where i think um organizations with elaborate protocols mm-hmm. kind of kind of fall into this category of having kind of pretty data disease where they want to see this like beautiful data yeah. laid out in front of them and they want it to be consistent every day where you know wait, my my bar graphs aren't, you know, increasing perfectly <laughs> as they should be. Yeah. Like, well, you know, you got your your benchmark of all those different factors you're having your clients track in the first week. Mm-hmm. You should probably transition to something a little bit lighter after you kind of started to build yeah. that habit um, and take a little bit of the weight off of them for a while. You can re-benchmark and do that again in another week in the future mm-hmm. to make sure they're still going in the right direction. But is that depth of programming and tracking in particular mm-hmm. is that actually like you've said before harder than the behavior itself yeah. to kind of stay accountable
1: to yeah. i it's i know we weren't the topic today was mainly day one experience but just to kind of touch on it because this could touch on day one slightly um i feel like i'm starting to see a shift right now at least with the partners we work with of recognizing that daily tracking is too much for their clients in switching to weekly kind of assessments or even monthly assessments. And I think we're just starting to realize, unless you're talking about passive data sets, like steps and active minutes and hours of sleep that you know risk-worn devices are tracking or something that's just an easy protocol for someone to keep track of each day, yes, no questions, multiple choice, just kind of a few little tap, tap, taps. Anything more substantial than that, I think we're just seeing a shift towards weekly check-ins or monthly check-ins from the data standpoint and because you don't i think i would argue you don't necessarily need all the nitty-gritty data i mean and like i said if you have a very specific protocol i still think there's ways you can build nice client experiences that are that simplify it a bit um so just something i'm seeing as i look as i'm thinking about the conversations i've had the past few weeks some some of the groups we work with
0: yeah so, how can you create? Maybe the question to ask yourself then is how can cre- you create that kind of environment for accountability mm-hmm. by asking the right questions so that you don't have to ask it every single day, or by asking questions in a way to where it's not like a boatload of manual entry? Um, how can you kind of make it a little bit easier on the client in the year of client experience,
1: 2021? 2021, 2021, the year <laughs> of the client experience. <laughs> So This is someone's going to run. It's it's like we're coining it. It's it's going to catch on. It's definitely going to catch on. It's
0: all happening. I'm just waiting for the announcement from President Biden that he's hiring a whole army of UX people to create a a UX department in the government. Actually, that would be kind of to
1: regulate client experience. Maybe we
0: should maybe we should actually do that. They have to redo every single government website.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's the year of the client experience every company should be mandated to have great client experience, which Google's kind of doing that anyway, I guess.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. You know what? Shout out Google. I don't, yeah, we Google's don't doing say it. that a lot.
1: Yeah. Google's doing that. But um, no, I mean, I think the, you know, you you beg an interesting question. I think for it, it I think for most people we think about, Hey, look, a program consists of, you know, me needing these handful of data points. It's like, you know, I th- I think we see it largely in well, I, I think we see it in all facets of, of coaching. So I'm not gonna just point out to to health necessarily, but it's something where, say there are, you know, four or five, whatever number of data points you need as part of your coaching. It it may be something as simple as, like I said, a yes, no question of did you follow the protocol today? And I know I've said that before. Something like that, the the client knows what they're keeping track of. You yeah. you know what they're keeping track of you don't necessarily need to have them spend the time to type in and journal everything they did necessarily on a given day and i think that's where there's kind of a disconnect of the accountability and i think it's it's if you were in if you're doing online coaching right now i would challenge you to hit pause for a second take a step back and make sure that everything that you're asking of a client from a data standpoint what you have them track you are actually using as a part of your coaching relationship because what you don't want in a really fast way to turn people off. Remember when you were in school and you had the teacher that never checked homework, didn't take long for people to stop doing the homework. The same happens in online coaching. If, there, if you were asking a data point that a person is tracking and you never mentioned that as a part of your coaching relationship, this is for the coaches that turn on 15 trackers when people are tracking
0: you know who you are. You know who
1: you are. <laughs> Think about it. Just something. This is the brutal honesty moment right now.
0: I wish I had like a, a bomb drop sound that I could play at the beginning yep. of that or maybe Boom. the end of that. I don't know. Yep. When is it more dramatic? The beginning or the end? Uh, I'm
1: typically the bad guy in most implementations and I've, I've okay. self-identified it. I've warned people I'm like, hey, look, I'm going to be the one when we get moving. I'm going to challenge you to simplify your experience. But I think we have to I think we have we to ha-
0: that's that's yeah, we're simplifiers. that's right in our team values for God's sake team values um I forgot what I was gonna say because that was so good where where do we go from here? This is great, so do simplify, do simplify, listen, it's I don't want to be mean about it, but it's almost like an ego thing like I need to prove I can get this data out of these people um, <laughs> you know sometimes, but it's yeah. also you know it comes from the right place, right. In the end, it is very comforting running yeah. a program to be able to refer back at the end and say, look at all this data that shows that we mm-hmm. did all this. When in fact, I promise you the most important thing is that the client at the end feels like they had a great experience and got out of it what they needed to. It's, you, know, you need to worry yeah. less about the proof as backup and more about just making mm-hmm. sure the client has a great experience.
1: Yeah, I in fact I don't, we should talk to the team. We should kind of look look through it. It'd be interesting or like um talk to some coaches that have been more successful. How much tracking they actually focus on versus just the relationship and mm-hmm. more of just messaging because I I do tend to find the more you focus on the tracking piece, especially early on, the more of a struggle it is in the relationship and the in the transition to online coaching the more you focus on the relationship and you focus on that early on, I tend to find the data will come. And what I mean by that is if you, some of the coaches I can think of that have been just wildly successful that we've had a chance to work with really didn't introduce too much tracking at first. It was much more of, Hey, let's just get this person comfortable with communicating th- with me through this channel, maybe send them some resources. Um, and then they kind of wove tracking in over time and it was something that they kind of did it in a way that the people, that the clients they're working with got more and more intrigued and we're like, well, I want to, what about this behavior, that behavior? And it was just something that was like, you know, little breadcrumbs or a little stair step that if you do it that way, I think great data comes in the long term.
0: Oh, the little breadcrumbs, um, the little breadcrumbs. Okay. That's, that's involved in one of the fairy tales, right? <laughs> Dropping breadcrumbs somewhere. Yeah. I
1: can't remember which one is that. Hansel and Gretel, maybe Hansel. And I, Gretel. I think that might be right.
0: <clears throat> um, Basically, if you hear about it in a fairy tale, it has to be true in coaching as well. So that's, that's our advice for the day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. I I, th- I don't know what else we talk about after that. I mean, we oh. circled all the way around to Hansel and Gretel. So we've, yeah, we've covered our when, bases.
0: That's when you know you've had a great episode right there. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, folks. So that's probably it for the day because things were going to get weird if we kept going any longer. Mac also has a meeting to get to, for God's sake. So Seven minutes. Let's let's wrap it there and um guys nudge coach happy hour it's everywhere you get your podcast that's on youtube and you can also if you're not on our email list get on our email list for god's sakes but um create your free account at nudgecoach.com join us now every thursday for nudge coach office hours at noon eastern time usa how do you, USA. How do you
1: check that out how do you join the office hours and that this is just me asking because i'm actually not sure how you ask access it's this. the
0: right question because mm-hmm. i have no way for you to do that yet how about that i haven't put gotcha. that up yet sorry so guys. if you yeah gotcha. we'll, get there.
1: <laughs> we'll get there so just be aware it happens on thursdays
0: yes i'm just giving you heads up but if you go create your free nudge coach account you will get an email about gotcha. it next week. i
1: thought this was like a secret supper club kind of thing where you 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 either were on the list or you weren't <gasps>
0: I gotta create a secret password for office secret hours. password
1: for office hours.
0: We're gonna figure that out. Okay, we've gotta go. We'll see you again next time, guys.